0: living at a time where the world is full of fear everywhere you go people are afraid of losing their jobs they're afraid of losing their homes they're concerned about not being able to provide uh, effectively for their families it seems as though very little is working out to any degree in this world today And when you look around you there are lots of things around us that creates fear How does a person, a child of God, live in an environment like this and still be the kind of person that God wants him to be? Why all this fear? We have violated a very important principle in the Word of God. Sometimes we linger on things that God is busy dealing with and we forget about the promises that God has made in His Word. There is a verse in, in Isaiah. Isaiah 41, verse 10. This is the most powerful verse in Scripture when it comes to overcoming fear. It tells me that God cares, that He cares about my life. He says, Fear not, for I am your God. Be not dismayed, for I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uplift you in the right hand of my righteousness. You know, we come to church Sunday after Sunday. And we sit down and we get saturated with the Word of God. And at the end of the service, we are so full of faith. We want to walk out of here feeling like, "Wow, oh, man, I feel like I'm the lion from the tribe of Judah. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to face this fear factor head on. And I'm going to beat it. But you can walk right out that door. And get out there amongst people who aren't talking this way. It has a way of affecting your faith. You can't go from Monday through to Saturday and go to people out in the world and ask them their advice. They don't know anything about it. Turn to the most powerful weapon you have, the Word of God. Yes. Don't turn to the news media. People, Satan owns the news media. That's his playing ground. Don't play. Play in the Word of God. Now, how do we transition from a situation of fear to, to living by faith? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 23 says, My son, incline your ears unto my sayings. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Let not your eyes depart from it. Keep your heart with all diligence. Now another word for keep is to protect. So God is telling us to protect our spirit with all diligence. Because we all know that a person who's not protecting your spirit isn't very strong spiritually. So the key issue here is to protect our spirits because your eyes and your ears are the gateways to your spirit, man. Whatever you allow your eyes to focus on, your ears to listen to as a way of settling in your spirit, man, and that becomes a reality in your life. Jesus said it this way. Out of the good treasures of a good man's heart, good things come to pass. And out of the evil treasures of evil man's heart, evil things come to pass. Psalm chapter 1. Again, gives us a beautiful promise of God's word. Blessed is a man who stands not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the law. And in his law he shall meditate day and night. He shall be like a a tree planted by rivers of water, which in its season shall be fruit. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good. But it's not for everybody. It's to those who love God, to those who live according to His will and purpose. You see, there are conditions to the Word of God. We can't just expect things to happen. We've got to do our share. We've got to meditate on the Word of God. We've got to find scriptures that we can hang on to and quote them. Just as Jesus did when He came out of the wilderness and He was tempted. He simply said, it is written. And that was it. That cleared the it. How did you learn your two times table? By constant repetition. Two times two is four. Two times three is six. And that's what we must do with the word of God. Constant repetition. Over and over and over until the word of God becomes a living part of your life. I just want to leave you with something Jesus told his disciples. Fear not, only believe. believe.
1: Okay, and now, as Johan beautifully explained to us this morning, you have to walk in your healing. If you walk out of here and, and fear starts gripping your heart again, I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a believer in you lose your healing, but you walk out of here and lose faith. Because the enemy is going to come back and he's going to test you. You're going to lie and think, but it's still there, oh, it's still there, I'm not healed. And he wants you to agree with him. It's all these ones. It's simple, guys. It's simple stuff. Johan, thank you for sharing that. And now, interesting thing is how we just, we just move on, you know, from one thing to the next. But God is constantly speaking to gain our attention on things. Now, I know you won't remember this, but the sermon that I preached on the 26th of July, 2020. So I was sitting the other night, clearly bored, and I didn't have anything to do. So I was going back on all our online videos. And just looking and thinking, flip, 85 views. That's a good message. There's a lot of people that need to hear this one still, man. Come on. Where are you people? Because I, I told you <laughs> on Thursday morning. Sure. May the Lord deal with your devious spirit. <laughs> sure. No, but very good. That's sure. That's like very good class. Like, I know, sir. I know, sir. You know. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> the 26th of July. I preached the message out of Joshua 24 saying, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I didn't remember that. I was going through, I'm like, hey, this is pretty relevant to two years almost to the day. And you can see here, we've got the stones that we've been speaking about and filling in here. We've got them in the shape of a cross here on the floor. It's not going to stay here, okay? But we are going to try and position these in such a way. Sorry, I just, I just kicked a stone over there. Um, we're going to position these in such a way that's going to be a visual display for us. Okay, to remind us of God's goodness. Okay, and I want to ask of you, if you haven't had the opportunity to fill your name and to put it on a stone, the last few weeks we've been focusing on this. And, and I realize, you know, we were, I was preaching this message two years ago. It's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and what we're walking through and all that. Look what God has done. Look where we still are, okay, through all that we've walked through. This is a sign. This is a sign of God's goodness to us. A sign of His train that has filled the temple and helped us to withstand no matter what we face, no matter what we've come up against. Now, what I've also realized is there's there's quite a few people that have struggled to get to church. And if you know somebody who you know aren't, like I was thinking of Kathy Koenig, thinking of John and um, Kathy Manuel. They haven't been here while we've done. We've got to get stones to these people them to fill them out, you know, Claire, I'm so happy to see you here this morning, if you haven't put your name on a stone, write it on, and that's a symbol of what God is doing here in our midst this morning, okay, and I, and I really feel we've massaged this in, it's so important to massage it in and not rush off to the next thing, I mean, yeah, from there, who remembers what I was preaching in January? You rolled your eyes, Richard, why did you roll your eyes, but you're you just looking upward, okay, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and I'm, and I'm realising we move on so quickly. Errol. Oh, Errol, you are, you are, the prize pupil. you, know, you would, you, the type of people that would get a gold star. You, you would get a gold star. And I'm not doing this to catch you out. You know, in January I was preaching about blessing, and learning to bless your enemy, and to walk in that. If we don't practice it. Then we have to do what Moses did for the whole of the book of Deuteronomy. And he's going to read the law out to the people. And write at the end saying, obey these words. Follow them. Then you will be blessed. But if you disobey them, you will bring upon the curses upon you and your family. It's simple. Like Johan was saying, when we don't follow the things of the ways of the Lord and allow Him to fill and to build upon the word of the Lord upon your heart and your life, you will not fall into the trap of fear, which is rampant in the world right now, all around, all over, all over the place. So I want to, I want to yeah, I'm going to wing it now, and we're going to go to Isaiah 6, which Kathleen mentioned. This wasn't the plan, but we're going to go, yeah. Because in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, and two he covered his face, and he too, uh, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he covered he, um, he, too he flew. And the one called to another and said, "Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts; the whole earth is full of his glory." Now you must see what's happening here: is Isaiah has been given an insight into what is taking place around the throne of God. David witnessed exactly the same thing. That's why David set up 24-7 worship, because he he saw into the heavenlies. What Isaiah saw here is exactly what John saw in Revelation. Okay, it's It's the revelations, the opening of what's taking place in the heavenlies. But what takes place after this in Isaiah's life is very important. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, "Woe! it is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is prior to Jesus coming to earth. He saw the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Father, and His throne, the majesty that took place around that. And here's the next part I want to touch on here. This is Isaiah's commissioning for the Lord now. And it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? I like it. Not who will go for me. Who will go for us? He's speaking of his, the unity that He has but also all of heaven, who will go for us. And then I said, and this is Isaiah speaking, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say this to people. And if you read this next part, and I want to read it here, it says, keep on hearing, but they do not understand. Keep on seeing, but they do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their eyes heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, well, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without habitation and houses without people and the land in the desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burnt again like a tereth, or a tereth is an elm tree, or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. And what struck me when I just looked at that after Kathleen shared that, after Isaiah had encountered the glory of the Lord, and he saw into the heavenlies, the throne of God and the cherubim, everybody worshiping, singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord. You know, never get despondent when we are repeating lines for songs. There's a purpose for that. Because if the angels can keep singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord, worthy, worthy, if you're singing with your mind, it will feel like repetition. But when you are singing from the place of your spirit, you will get captured and taken to greater depths. Greater understanding of His glory. Greater revelations will be poured out to you as you just keep gazing on the beauty of His magnificence and His majesty. And you can keep singing that line. Over, worthy is your name, worthy is your name. Over and over again. Because the more you see, the more you'll love. And the more you love Him, the more you'll see. And it just keeps pouring out more and more. And more. Errol has certainly planned this this morning. The first song, he's talking about mag- magnificence and majesty. And the first songs about magnify. When the Spirit is, there's going to be unity. It's going to flow according to what God wants to do. But what happened to Isaiah? After he encountered God, after he had seen the glory, well, he's like, well, who's going to go? Who's going to tell the people? And I want to tell you, this, this commissioning that happened to Isaiah, this is what's taken place in the last two and a half years. God is looking for a people who will say, here we are Lord, here we are, send us, send us and we will go. Then when you read Isaiah 41, 10, which which Johan referred to this morning, 41, 10, and it says there, um, well just on 9, at the beginning it says, I've chosen you and not cast you off From verse 10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Chapter 41 is probably written years later from chapter 6. And if you know Isaiah's story, his whole life, he was basically cheerleading and going up against the people that refused to listen to God. But did Isaiah change what God had called him to do from the beginning? And I want, I want to tell us as a people, this is what God is asking of us. He, he's not looking for results. Okay, He's looking for obedience. Yes. Isaiah could have been viewed as an unsuccessful prophet. Because the people actually never fully turned according to every prophecy that he called out. If you're, Reading the book of Isaiah is hard. Jeepers, these people never, he's constantly saying, they never listen. And he But, you know, Isaiah 43, he gets to that point, forget the former things because I'm doing a new thing. And God's keeping reminding, keep telling the people of his goodness, come on, follow me, follow me, follow me. Isaiah proved himself strong in knowing the call upon his life, he wasn't wavered by people's opinion. He wasn't wavered by the circumstances around him. He kept trusting in the commission that was prayed upon him because what it says there in Isaiah 6, A little bit further on is it speaks about the burning of his lips. The coal, that's right. He says, "Woe, because I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for the eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then he heard the Lord say, Whom shall I send? Go for me. When you've been marked by the Lord, and see, Jacob was marked. When Jacob wrestled with the Lord and stuff, and then his hip was out of place. Do you realize that when he came to Egypt, he walked with a limp? Because he had been marked what God has done in him. Isaiah had been marked by the almighty God that meant that this mark meant I will hold on to what you've told me. I will hold on to the truths that are laying in my heart. And God is asking of us as folks, these last two and a half years have been a calling out. It's been the separating. There are some here that aren't here to write their names on stones. To know that they belong. They have chosen an alternative route. Yeah, they sit. All the prodigals. Trusting and believing. It's never too late. God can do it in a a moment. He can turn a heart. And yes, they can add their name to the stones. But that's just an outward expression of a heart position. And God's not asking you to go and speak in Parliament and tell Ramaphosa that you need to get your act together. All He's doing is He's marking you where you're at in your life to say, will you always trust me? Will you always believe me? Because Isaiah could have given up a hundred times. Because clearly these people weren't listening to him. You know, when you, when you look back upon it, Uzziah, he prophesied about the Messiah coming 700 years before it happened. <laughs> and the people were like, really? Yeah, they always believed for this Messiah and they didn't see it happen in his lifetime? Ah, please. Who vindicates you? Who vindicates you? When you walk in obedience, and you walk, and it says there about, when the cold touched his lip, his guilt was taken away, and his sin was taken away. The Lord vindicates you. Go and read the Psalms. Go and read David's plight of his life over and over. God, hear my prayer. God, where are you? And then he starts the one Psalm, I can't remember, 30, around about there. Vindicate me, O Lord. Vindicate me, meaning... Come on, all these people, all this chaos happening around me. I promise you, people, the Lord will always vindicate you. Even if it's after you go and you are in glory, the Lord will vindicate you. When you walk in obedience. When you walk in according to His promises. And the power that happened to Isaiah there with his guilt taken away, and his sin paid for, in an old covenant context, where did he gain his confidence from to believe? That what God said... I don't care what you say. See, Paul speaks about a clear conscience quite a lot. And when you're under attack and you have to defend yourself, what do you do? Join the the fight? Really? Is it going to be worth fighting? When you stand knowing that your conscience is clear, that your guilt is taken away, that your sin has been paid for, you don't have to defend yourself. Because God will defend you. And it doesn't happen in the moment. And I've been around long enough, in the bay for 28 years, and I've seen how God vindicates over time. Some take years. Don't try and vindicate yourself. It looks like you're trying to defend something that you could have done wrong. Just trust God. In family circumstances where you've held your line to truth. Don't try and fix things all the time. Trust the Lord. Walk in peace. Walk in confidence. As I learned that. Because if we are going to be wavered by people's opinions and what people say about us or what people think about us, we will never stand strong and firm. And this is where the church, the ecclesia of God is at right now. Because we will not serve the gods of men. And there's a constant demand to bow to the the gods of men. All the time. I watched this fascinating clip of this woman in a a Christian university in the States, and she was speaking about the woke culture. You know, woke woke is, you know, whatever, exactly. But it's, it's not a new concept. It's built upon the whole understanding of this politically correct spirit. That you have to, you know, kind of, bow to every, of, of, of every one of their requirements when it comes to gender and race and all sorts of stuff. The, ch- the trouble with woke, okay, which is like this, this, this understanding of like, you need to do what I tell you, basically. Okay, the challenge with this woke and politically correct thing, none of that ideology was ever built upon a dialogue. There was no conversation, like, hey, Richard, let's you and I have a chat, let's plan this thing, let's write a text, let's write stuff about this idea and this doctrine and ideology of something and give it some kind of impetus about what we believe. There's no dialogue. So when you try and engage with somebody and say well, mm, no, I don't believe that it's never a pleasant conversation, it's always an argument. Because there's no dialogue. There's nothing to talk about this thing because the whole pretense with woke is that I get what I want, I will demand for it, And if you don't give it and you're in my way, I will run over you. You know, my stance with things right now is a little bit of how it says about um, Jesus when he speaks in, I think it's Matthew 24 when he says, is that it will be like the times of Noah. Noah wasn't running around trying to tell everybody like there's a flood coming. He just got on with what he needed to do. And I want to tell you folks, your confidence comes with doing what God has called you to do. We are in a day and an age where the people of God are uniting and standing together, in such unity and such understanding as His glory fills the temple. We are—we have been separated. We are not of this world. We are a, a part, a people set apart for a purpose for the King of Kings. Not your own gain, not what you can get out on this planet and this earth. It's so fickle when we fight hard and we look to all the things in the world to satisfy us, folks. It'll just—it's gone. And I, I often look at people that are so successful on this earth. You know, look at all the sportsmen, all these pro sportsmen, and everybody kind of bows down, and people go to rugby and shout and scream at the guys and everything. Until they lose their, voice. until they lose their voices, you know. But, the, but bless Errol, he worships as loud as if he's at rugby, you know. But this adoration to people, and I think, it's, it's just giving your very best on this time on earth. That's all it is. But that time comes to an end. And then is when it's going to count. Reese Howell says that when you stand before God, he says you don't stand in the crowd. You stand before God one to one. And there's no like, yeah, but I was something. No, you're nothing now before God. Jesus, who who is this person? Your name's been written. They are part of the family. And look what they did on earth for your kingdom. And there's the reward. Whether you've got millions of brands in the bank account, can't take it with you. And tell you what, when I stand before the Almighty one day, I want Him to welcome me home and back, but it's that good and faithful servant stuff. But on earth yet, it requires sacrifice. It requires a price to be paid for your life. And when you have the bigger perspective, that's why we're, we're eventually going to get there and speak to all this end time stuff. There's just a lot of always good that happens. When we preach that stuff and we go on a journey and we dig deep into the Word of God, it, it'll change your perspective. Because then you know, you're living for eternity. You're living for, you're living for far beyond this earth. You know, Herman, you're, you're 83. Next month. Still young. But your life has been like that, eh? 83, he's almost double my age. But it's like, you've got memories, you've got understanding, all the ups and downs, but you will look back on the faithfulness of God in your life, and the fruit is your family. That's what counts. Before God, in this passage with Isaiah, it really just struck me, again, like, this was early on when he was being called by God to be set apart. To go and be that voice to a people that won't listen. Will you give up on the call? And God is commissioning His people in this time to say, let's stand and be ready. Let's stand together. This is why this, def- this, this demonstration of all these stones coming together is going to be a marked remembrance for us. And my sermon was a little bit of this this morning. And I'll maybe highlight this a bit more next week. But I've got another good one that I actually want to speak. I don't know. The Lord will tell me which one. <laughs> Right after Joshua, in, 20, Matthew, in Joshua 24, says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He goes and gets a big stone as a witness to the people. Because this is, this is the line that he says to them in Joshua 24. Right at the end. That party says, "But As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they say, Yes, far be it from us that we forsake the Lord and serve other gods. Just think about that. This is before they've even crossed into the promised land. And all the ups and downs we see about Israel. This is what they're saying. Far be it from us. We will never serve other gods. But you did. But you did. Okay? Mark moments. Okay? For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers from the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. And who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove us out before all the peoples and the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will serve the Lord, for He is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, And the people said to Joshua, no, 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 but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Okay. And he said, then put away your foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve and His voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and he set it up there underneath the terebinth tree, which I think is also an elm tree, an oak tree, that's right, terebinth tree, that was the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us. For as it has been heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you. Lest you deal falsely with, with your God. So Joshua sent the people away. Every man to his inheritance. And that's after that apportioned all the land. And they were living in the land of promise. And the belief of God has sent to them. These stones, and there's more references, I'll speak into this next week possibly. This is a sign and a witness to us. That is, we are going to erect these stones somewhere in this building, somewhere in this hall. That will be a remembrance for us to look at. To say, we said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It will be a witness to you that you will not serve foreign gods. You will not bow to the idols and the gods of men of this world. But in your heart, you're saying, Lord, me and my house will serve you because I'm a living stone making up the spiritual household of God built together as one to serve. In these days, he's asking and calling us for that. And every moment you make a mark, the Lord sees. The Lord saw that day. The Lord saw that day of Israel as they were, as they'd crossed over into their promised land. We've crossed over, folks. We're in a new era. And God's asking of us in this time, in this hour. I've marked you. These last two years have marked you. And if it's been marked in the things of God, He's aligned you to walk no matter what the world shouts at you now, no matter what plays out against you, no matter what opposition comes your way, we keep serving the Lord and we walk according to His statutes, His rules, His laws, by His grace, His mercy that's poured upon us. We set our sights upon His glory and we keep walking forward. We will not give up. We will not stop. Amen? Amen. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it there. And, that, and I don't know what happened to the power, but that doesn't matter. We just keep going anyway. Okay. Let's just... Let's just... just, just, let's just um, yes. Yeah, let's do all that stuff. Okay. And then, um, and then I want to pray with us as we go from this place. And as God just um, leads and guides us. I mean, yeah, because it's marked. Yeah, we just checking the business part before we in front? Yeah, don't worry. I've, yeah, I've got a chair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe let's... um. Yes. Yes. Let's just pray. Let's just pray together. And this will come back on now. Hopefully.
0: Yeah.
1: Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that over these last two years, you've marked us as your people. Lord, we want to thank you that here we are, still standing, still trusting, still believing, despite all the circumstances, despite everything that has played out over these last two years. Here we are, standing, eyes seeing more, ears more away, but our hearts aligned to your purposes and your call upon our lives. And we do take this time seriously, Lord. We don't just, it's another church meeting. Lord, you are gripping our attention. And the sign that we know that you're with us is that when your presence falls in this place, it gives us the assurance that our mighty God is with us. That's the sign that you're with us over this period of time. And I just speak peace over people's hearts. There's an aligning. There's a drawing. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. We encounter you, mighty God. We lay our lives before you, mighty God. Come and mark our lips like you did with Isaiah. Commission us, Lord Jesus, to stand on the fullness of the ball that you've got for us. May our lives be a testimony and a witness to this world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We serve you, and we serve you alone, Mighty God. I feel there are there people you've got you've got decisions to make in this. There's other things that are just luring you, just pulling you, and just grabbing your attention. The Lord is is giving the opportunity in the season. And because of the blood of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, He'll never give up on you. You've never run too far. He's saying lay those things down. Lay those things down that take your attention and your time and all your energy. And take time to read the Word. Allow the Word of God to settle into your spirit. And you will find strength. You will find wholeness. You will find life. In that place of my word as it speaks, as the word of God speaks to you, faith will arise. Faith comes from hearing Amen. the word. In Romans 10. So Father, lead us. Guide us into all that you have in store for us. We don't just rush off on to the next thing. We hear your voice in this hour. We hear your voice at this time. Mark us, Lord Jesus. Mark us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you,
0: Lord.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen.